Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of Whatever Wando. I am your host, David Wondolowski, but you can just call me Wando. In our podcast here, we are analyzing the best myths, controversies, conspiracy theories, and what-if questions in sports. So now, let's get down to business. Once again, everybody, welcome to the first ever episode of Whatever Wando. I am your host, Wando. Uh, first of all, I want to give a shout out before we get started to my friends, my family, my fiance, for all who have been super supportive with this idea. Um, special shout out to my friend at Jim Mylock. Um, he's got a um, he's got a podcast. It's called Pod of Fame. You can find him on social media on Twitter and Instagram at, at Pod of Fame. Um, and you can find him on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. And so being on his podcast really inspired me to make my own. His um, podcast, it's super well done. If you ever get a chance, give it a listen. And it's all about um, fringe athletes, like fringe of making the Hall of Fame or not in their respective careers. And he um, talks with regular people like me and actually well-spoken guests um, about do they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame or not. I've done a few episodes over there, so definitely check them out. Um, but yeah, definitely check them out if you have a chance. But being on his show, doing the research for it, really made me go, I wanted, I wanted to do something like this too. I want this creative outlet. And I also love talking about sports. But the other thing I love to do, or I love doing it most of my life, was lying. Um, and that's kind of where the name of the show comes from. Um, I have been known in my friend group for telling lots of lies growing up. To the point that a good response to anything I might say is just, you know, whatever, Wando. Uh, because there's a good chance at a certain point in my life that if I said it, it might've been a lie. So when I told my friends actually about this podcast, they all just kind of spit out like their favorite lies I've ever told them. Uh, some that kind of came to mind that I thought were very funny were that I told them in a March madness game. I used to play that on the screen, the game just kind of glitched and the text just said the player died. Obviously that doesn't happen. Used to happen to me in league football. They used to play that in the second Genesis that doesn't happen anymore. I used to lie about working at Bennigan's, where there was clear and obvious proof I never did. And a lot of other things that I've lied about. One time I lied about uh, hanging out with someone who then literally was on national TV the next second. So I was, you know, I was a fibber. I was a liar. I can't deny that. But now we've kind of had some fun with it. It was never anything serious, but it was funny enough. So for me... I always get a kick out of not just in sports, but in other things. If I see someone lying and I can tell it's a lie, kind of like breaking down that lie. Okay. Were you too specific? Were you not specific enough? Were you depending on other people to keep your lie going? Was there too many moving parts? And that kind of gets us to what we're going to do here. You know, I'm looking at conspiracy theories, myths and controversies in sports. What if questions are kind of in their own territory, which we're definitely going to do a ton because there's so many great what if questions in sports. But with controversies, myths, and conspiracy theories, you know, we have our facts that we know, but then we have that fiction, that lie that, you know, is truthful enough that makes us think, you know, maybe that is true. And that's what we're going to do here. We're going to figure out, 
Is it something that we can confirm? I kind of do my rank, uh, my ratings just like uh, the referees do, leaving a little gray area. Is it something that I can confirm and say, yes, this for sure happened, this conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory this myth, did this happen? Or do I have to overturn it and say, no, this is false? Um, so that's definitely what we're going to get into. Um, some more background about me. Um, I'm in my 30s, so you'll understand why some of my references are, you know, where they are. I definitely, at some point, I'm going to make an Ozzy Smith falling down into, <laughs> into like, the warp hole in uh, the Simpsons episode, because... I just have to. I have to do that for my friend Traco. I have to give that chat out there. Um, I'm also a Chicago sports fan, um, except for the Cubs. I'm a White Sox fan, which if you're a White Sox fan, it explains itself. You pick one or the other. But um, that's where a lot of my sensibilities come from. But I'm not just Chicago based. My favorite basketball player growing up actually was Sean Kemp. Uh, I loved him because not only did he helped me defeat my brother's NBA jam, but just the way he played basketball. He's a big guy, but he could move. He had a really good, uh, like he had a very good and, you know, underrated jump shot. So he was someone I was, was drawn to. And also could have just been those jerseys. Um, I also like my favorite football player growing up was Eddie George. And it was literally because I saw him on one Monday night football game. And I love the way he run. I was like, this is my guy. Because uh, I wasn't even a big football fan until like the age of nine or ten. Because even though I've always been a kind of a tall, big kid, I just wasn't. I didn't like to play football, organized football, because I always had to play the offensive line or defensive line, and that's boring at that age. You want the ball in your hand. So that's kind of where my background comes from. So today we're going to dive into our very first conspiracy theory, and that conspiracy theory is: Did Michael Jordan? get suspended from the NBA because of gambling. All right. Well, let's get right into it. So before we can talk about the conspiracy theory about Michael Jordan getting suspended from the NBA, we need to kind of break down a little bit of what happened before that. So let me, you know, paint a picture for you. So Michael Jordan had just finished his ninth season in the NBA, and these are full seasons, except for one. He is playing about 78 games or more. Most of them he's playing about 80 games or more. And then you have the playoffs because, you know, kind of once he broke through, he was making extended playoff runs either to conference finals or the NBA finals. Um, and Michael is 30. He is still in his prime. This was his 30-year-old season. Um, he has three MVP awards seven scoring titles, and has just won his third straight NBA title, this one over the Phoenix Suns. In this year, he's averaging 32.6 points per game, 2.8 steals, 5.5 assists, and 6.7 rebounds. So he's no slouch. We've seen players who have left on top before after winning a title. John Elway did it. Peyton Manning did it. Jerome Bettis did it. Michael Strahan did it. Um, I'm going to kind of put Michael Strahan on his own category here because I think he had a year or two left if he wanted to, um, but he had proven everything he needed to prove there. He finally won a title. He had won, you know, he had a, the sack title at one point. He was a Hall of Famer already, so I understand him leaving. Um, but a lot of the other people who left on top, you know, they didn't necessarily have a ton left in the tank. You look at Jerome Bettis, Jerome Bettis had, you know, he'd run, been run through, you know, run through the ringer. You know, his body had definitely been beaten up. He was ready to go. 
Peyton Manning's arm was not the same as it used to be. And once again, you can't really hold it against him. You know, coming from his family, I'm sure he was throwing a football since the age of like three. And he's throwing footballs day after day, you know, junior high, high school, college to the pros. Um, And so he got to a point where his arm just didn't have it anymore. He had it for like the first two drives um, of that last Super Bowl. But luckily that defense that he had with Von Miller was elite. So he won a title and he was like, all right, I'm out of here. But that wasn't the case for Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was still at the peak of his career. So him leaving is a little shocking, but he kind of elaborated in the last dance. So in the last dance, Jordan said after winning um, his third title, he was sitting in the back of the gym with his dad. And he said, quote, in the back of my mind, I knew that was probably my last game end quote. Um, And that's kind of significant. You know, you're on top 30 and he's already thinking like, all right, I'm done. This is it. This is the last game I'm ever going to play, especially for how competitive a person Michael Jordan is. We saw in the last dance just how competitive he is. So for him to be like, I'm done at the age of 30 was a little shocking. Um, and his father was such a big part of his life. That's why I think it was he specifically mentioned being back there with his dad. And that's kind of where another part of this picks up. So in the summer of 1993, after he wins the title, uh, his dad um, goes missing and then later is found dead. He was um, slain by two 18-year-olds. So his Michael Jordan, you know, he talks about it. He said in multiple different things, he struggled with that, as anyone would with losing a parent. And then you lose him in the way he did. And then you have to do it on a national and worldwide scale. Because Michael Jordan was a national story. He is a worldwide story. He was a phenomenon. So the like you have to answer questions about someone you loved so much. And now they're gone. You know, when we lose someone in our life, we get to hopefully grieve in peace. Michael Jordan didn't get that chance. So that definitely probably warred him, which led to him later that year in the Bulls practice facility retiring um, and saying, quote, the desire isn't there, end quote. Um, His desire for competition obviously was still there because he would go on to play minor league baseball. So interesting enough, and we'll talk about this later, he would go and play minor league baseball for the Chicago White Sox, specifically their double-A affiliate, the Birmingham Barons. The reason, first of all, that he went straight to double-A, for those of you who don't understand, um, who don't know baseball, it's, there's other levels in this, but usually go single-A, double-A, triple-A, and then if you're good enough, you get called up to the majors. So for a 30-year-old to go straight to double-A is kind of shocking, but they kind of expound upon, uh, expound upon it in 30 for 30s and the last and saying that the single A affiliate didn't have the uh, requirements needed for the amount of media that was going to see him play. So they kind of sent him up to double A. So that's kind of how that worked, but it's always kind of one of those interesting things people think about because how convenient, luckily your owner of your team, you know, the Chicago bulls, I happen to also own a baseball team and if you want to go play, Hey, go play. Um, after some time away, Michael Jordan eventually came back in 1995, and you know the legend continues. He won three more titles. Uh, he won two more MVPs. Uh, he killed it. 
And then eventually he did retire again, and he did come back again and played for the Wizards. He almost carried that team to a, uh, you know, a playoff appearance, which is amazing on its own because that team was not very good. And then he did officially finally retire, um, and now he's an owner of the Charlotte Hornets. But everyone has always wondered about that first retirement because we're always wondering, all right, first of all, what if? What if he didn't retire? Would the Bulls have won eight in a row? Could they have won nine in a row? Um, so you got your what if questions, but people really wondered why, you know, this man who's so competitive, all of a sudden that fire was just gone, which leads us to our conspiracy theory that a lot of people believe and that a lot of people believe that Michael Jordan basically had been caught up in gambling. And first of all, this is all alleged that Michael Jordan had gotten caught up in his gambling and his gambling had gotten a little bit more out of control. And so the NBA, out of fear of hurting their brand and their biggest star, suspended him, kind of secretly off the books and said, hey, go take some time off until this clears up. And we're going to get more into that in a second because that's a really important point because of how important Michael Jordan was to the brand of basketball. The NBA isn't what it was, you know, always as it is now. Up until 1986, like there were games on tape delays. Imagine that in our world now, like instant, you know, social media, like instant betting, there were games taped and then showed like later or games that are just on like a significant delay, which is nuts. Michael Jordan brought up the profile, Michael Jordan, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson brought up the profile of the NBA so much. The last thing the NBA wants is that to get tarnished. So, as all these rumbling starts to, starts to occur about Michael's gambling, is it getting too out of control? Some people think maybe David Stern says, hey, let's look this out. Let's sort it out because we don't want to hurt the NBA here. Which brings us into our next segment, which is what do we know? So let's break down the facts that we know about this conspiracy uh, theory first. So I have found kind of four facts, like four kind of tent poles of this conspiracy, which I think kind of, you know, kind of what build that belief in some people that Michael Jordan was suspended by the NBA for gambling. Um, and then there's also one that I'll kind of add in at the end, which I don't think is a main support point, but I think um, makes a good connection. So the first, the first thing is that Jordan, when he retires, he is like peak earning. He's making about $30 million a year just in endorsements. And I think for a lot of people, that's just type kind of shocking just based on how we as people are, you know, earning that type of money, you know, to just leave it on the table is kind of crazy. And then also to think about the person that Michael Jordan is, the person that we know who he was then and even now. Like it wouldn't surprise me if one day Michael Jordan just came out and said, I'm going to try to become like the first trillionaire athlete or he wants to earn more money than jeff bezos because he's that competitive so for him just to be like i'm done doing this i'm done you know getting this money you know i think takes some some people by surprise and they're like okay why would an athlete in the prime of his career leave while earning all this money while winning so i think that's one of the big parts of the conspiracy that people believe in um i think an even bigger one is the second point and it's what happened in between game one and game two, of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Knicks. So first of all, the Bulls had already lost game one. 
So they're playing um, in New York, and in between game one and game two, Michael Jordan takes a limo ride to Atlantic City. Um, reports have him there. Um, according to Sports Illustrated, some reports have him leaving at 2.30. Some have him leaving at midnight. Um, I looked on Google Maps, and based on that, this is at least a two-hour drive, depending on traffic. And so he's either getting home. Now it's the day of the game because we've crossed midnight. It's either 2 o'clock in the morning or it's 4.30 in the morning. Neither one is the best-case scenario. And so you have a lot of people just asking, all right, maybe his judgment isn't that great because, you know, you kind of just have to think about your scenario. Like, okay, you know, we all want to do different things like different times. You know, there's we all in the middle of the night want to go like, oh, you know, it'd be great right now, like just to go eat a pizza. But we're not going to get up from our beds and, you know, go get a pizza from Jewel or order one and then cook it. We're just not going to do it. We have that kind of impulse control. It's, hey, something we want right now, but this may not be the best situation to do it. Well, you know, some people question that about Michael Jordan. They're like, okay, like, we know you might have wanted to gamble, but, like, dude, you got a game in, like, a couple hours. You already lost game one. And he's like, all right, whatever. And he goes gambling for, you know, a, like a very long part of his day. And he's not back until late. So a lot of people are questioning, like, all right, if you're willing to do that during the season, like, what are you doing with the rest of your time? Which leads us into kind of part three, because the NBA started to wonder about the same things, about his gambling, what is he doing, who is he affiliating with? Because uh, in 1993, the NBA hired a former federal judge and attorney to investigate if uh, if his gambling had violated league rules. So first off, gambling isn't illegal for athletes to do. It just can't be like affiliated with your sport. You can, you know, go play the lottery. You can go go play poker, stuff like that. Uh, you know, all the normal type of gambling you wouldn't do. But like, if I'm a NBA player, I can't start gambling on the NBA. NFL player, same thing. So they start looking into this and they discover, you know, some irregular irregularities in like his income and like his money, where is it's going. So. Basically, it's discovered that – so he had given 57 grand to a convicted drug dealer, uh, and this is according to Sports Illustrated Jack McCollum, that Jordan had given 57 grand to a convicted drug dealer named James Slim Bauer. Uh, he also had given 108000 to checks to a man named Eddie Dow, who was found dead. So, you know, people were – kind of curious about that first of all you know two guys not the best reputation once again i'm not here to throw stones you know people can can make a mistake early in their life and they might have changed but the fact this is who he owed money to and then even for eddie dow the you know the only reason that we found out about that one is because the checks were discovered in a briefcase eddie dow had after he was found dead so which is kind of one of those you know there's where there's smoke there's fire and people are starting to smell smoke. They're like, okay, because originally he had told people uh, that there was money that he had loaned them. And then when the federal judge got involved and all these other things, he was like, all right, yeah, I was paying off a gambling debt. And so that's like where people started to be like, all right, we there might be a problem here between what we're hearing and what's actually happening. And people dug into this more after he retired because you're like, all right, this is just the stuff we know. We're talking about a very famous athlete, a very powerful athlete. So, you know, this is the stuff that eventually did come up. What stuff didn't come up maybe that we don't know? 
So people have always thought about that, and that's been some of their basis for believing in this conspiracy conspiracy theory. The fourth one, I think it's kind of the weakest one, um, unless you really look at things literally. And it's because Jordan said, and I quote, if David Stearns lets me back in the league, I may come back, end quote. Um, he said that during his retirement press conference. Of course, most of us would take that as he's saying it in jest. He's like, hey, if he lets me back, I'll come. Kind of like he's kicking him out. But there's some people who took that literally. Like that he maybe like maybe he was so annoyed and frustrated because you can see, you know, what from reading any of his books, watching highlights of Michael Jordan, watching The Last Dance, you know, if things aren't going Jordan's way, like he can you can see him get frustrated. You know, he handles it very very like very well, but you can see him like um, when he like lost those uh coin gamblings against like the guy who gave him the shrug with that great hair. It's a t- like 10 for 10 moment. Like you can see he was a little annoyed. He's like, I lost how much money to this guy over here. So maybe he's a little annoyed. Like, all right, whatever. I gamble a little bit. Now this guy's kicking me out. Yeah. I'll come back if David Stern lets me come back in. So there's some people who always think he was kind of just given the old wink, wink, nudge, nudge, be like, Hey, like I'll come back when Stern lets me back in. So that's why some people tend to believe this theory some kind of ancillary points about I think why people really believe in this theory is one is it happened super close relatively to the history of sports to Pete Rose. So Pete Rose had just like, um, I think just under a decade from this been suspended permanently from major league baseball. He'd been, you know, caught gambling on major league baseball. He's the all time hits leader. And they're like, Nope, you're gone forever. still not in the hall of fame today. And so people who believe in this conspiracy theory have to sit back and think David Stern has watched his league while he was, you know, running it, you know, with all these stars who came up, build it from a tape delay. People aren't watching it to like worldwide mainstream success. And he's like, I can't let this happen because if Michael Jordan goes down, then the reputation, this whole entire league is going to go down with it. So maybe a little bit of backdoor dealing, David Stern being like, hey, you need to take some time off while we clear this off and figure out what's going on. Um, going on. Um, so a lot of people believe that, you know, he's trying, Stern was trying to prevent any further damage to the league. And then it's also the reason that it's picked up steam is David Stern, there are multiple controversies surrounding him and the NBA. You have, you know, things like the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers never going through. You have multiple times, and these are episodes that we're going to have about it, like multiple different draft lotteries being rigged for specific either big cities or it could be for a franchise who just went through something bad. Uh, It could be for series being rigged, you know, know, and we're going to talk about this, like the Bulls getting D-Rose when we really shouldn't have, uh, Ewing going to the Knicks. The Western Conference Finals, uh, when kind of the 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 Sacramento Kings kind of got jobbed out, there's a lot of you know people who always thought maybe things always weren't on the up and up, and so that's why this you know this theory has kind of gained a lot of you know status, you know gained a lot of ground with them. But now that we have what we know in here, now we gotta you know shine some light and really analyze. What makes this conspiracy theory not hold up as well as those people might want it to? Which brings us to our next segment, which is, I'm not so sure about that. 
so and i'm not so sure about that we kind of break down the opposite side of the conspiracy conspiracy theory the myth or the controversy we're talking about kind of poke some holes in it so for me one of the big glaring holes in this conspiracy theory is that nothing else has ever come out about it so we had you know the initial findings by the nba and the federal government in these investigations yes we found out about the separate amounts of money that he owned uh, that he owed to two people who maybe didn't have the best reputations at the time once again they had a chance to rehabilitate themselves so i'm not going to be here to judge anyone but we know like how they were characterized in the media and you know what their record at the time was but nothing else has come out about that which is the one part that kind of always throws me for a loop when you have an athlete this big, this big of a story that you could find, people were digging. There were reporters who were trying to dig. I'm sure there were, you know, enemies of Michael Jordan trying to dig. I'm sure the IRS was digging, the federal government. I think there was tons of people who probably, when some of the stuff started happening, were digging into his financials, who he knew, and looking for anything, and nothing's ever come out. And while I do sometimes, you know, we all believe in, you know, if there's, you know, big groups who are in charge of certain things or, you know, big powers of authority. I don't consider the NBA part of that to the point that they could, you know, get the IRS, the federal government, and all these reporters to be quiet on something like this. Because think about it, for the IRS, you're recouping a bunch. If there was really this much, you know, shady stuff going down, you can recoup a bunch of money for the government. Uh, if it's a reporter, this is the story of a lifetime. This is you write your book, you make a movie deal, you got everything, you got a Pulitzer Prize waiting for you. So you're looking for this. Um, but nothing ever came out, which I find that makes it really hard for it to be believed. It sounds like so far what we have is, yes, Michael Jordan liked to gamble. And there's a few people that maybe he liked to gamble with more than, uh, more than others. It looks like he kind of made some poor choices about when he chose to gamble. But there isn't anything more to get us to, okay, he was suspended because of his gambling. It's hard for us to make that logical leap there. There are some dots you can connect, but it's a little bit harder than um, than it should be in a story that makes sense. Um, another thing is that the people who are involved, like Alessio is an extremely small and tight-knit group who knew you know, maybe it was Jordan, Reinsdorf, and Stern in a room. They were the only three that knew if this actually happened. You're telling me none of those three people ever told anybody? And also, all three of those people are extremely powerful in their sport. David Stern is now is running a multi-billion dollar league. Michael Jordan is, you know, he is now, you know, a billionaire. And he is making hand over fist. He is a worldwide icon. Jerry Reinsdorf is also making hand over fist, um, you know, through owning the White Sox, the Bulls, the United Center, um, in Sox Park, because I refuse to call it guaranteed rate field. But that's a whole nother story. These are all three heavy power players. If they really wanted to leak this information out, they could have. I, I think they all have too much to lose, but... It's also at a point of they're all so important and powerful. What's the other person going to do? Can't really do anything about it. So the fact that nothing has come out, like with who might have been involved and things like that, make it hard to believe. 
And I also look into other sports. Um, you look at international soccer or international football for anyone who's listening, you know, in Europe or any other country. Um, if there's ever like a financial issue, like it makes like front pages, you know, it's newspapers, ESPN here. We only get a little blurb because that's the United States, but they'll say anything about like taxes or money being owed to anyone. If anything happens with, you know, Ronaldo, anything happens with Messi, you see it. So if it would happen here, like we find out, like they made a whole 30 for 30 about all the athletes that have gone broke. So there's people who know this information. It is you, if you dig deep enough, you can find it. And the fact that no one's found it makes it hard for me to believe that it happened. No one else has found it. We're also in the age of the Freedom of Information Act. You know, of course, there's only so, certain things you can find, but you, as someone, if you were really determined to find out this is real, you could. And I'm sure people have tried and nothing else has come up. And that's kind of where I'm left holding the bag, where I'm like, okay, we have parts of this story that make sense, but I have parts that I can pull decently sized holes in. The last part being a lot of people didn't understand why did Jordan walk away in the prime of his career? And he's given a lot of good reasons. And I think the one that he hasn't really given out, like he said he was worn down. There's a word that I think he should use. And that's it. I think it sounds like the more and more I've heard him talk about why he left, he sounded like he was burned out. You know, it's something that everyone goes through in their job, whether they're an athlete or, you know, a teacher, a lawyer, a businessman, a nurse. It's people like you do your job so many times day after day, and sometimes you get burned out on it. And even if you are just playing a game for him, you know, it's a high stakes game. People are watching, people are writing articles, books, everything comment commenting on all every single move you make that's got to be exhausting and he has been doing this forever we're talking college at north carolina then being a high draft pick to a huge market in chicago becoming a worldwide phenomenon that has got to be taxing on you and we hear more and more how we hear about the mental health of athletes about how it does affect them. I think for a long time, we kind of built them up as like superheroes. Like, oh, this is like my, this is my guy, or this is my girl. Like they can't be affected the way I am, but clearly they can. I don't think Michael Jordan will ever use the word that he was burnt out. I don't, I just don't think it would be in his vocabulary, but I think the high stakes he played at most of his life and also the way his life was, I think he was just burned out. I think he just wanted time away. Uh, because think about it, you're playing basketball, high leverage, you know, high pressure situations. Then he's doing endorsement deals. If those don't go well, high, you know, that's once again, high pressure, high anxiety situations. And then he's, even though he's doing it for fun, you know, gambling for some of the money that if you hear like Barkley talking, even though that's competitive and he probably liked that, that's still, you know, stressful, you know, anxiety, like anxiety riddled moments. So you add all those up, it kind of makes sense. Hey, I want to take some time off. Do I think he went the right way about it by then go playing baseball? <laughs> like for like the Chicago White Sox AA affiliate? Probably not, but we'll talk about that later. But I think Michael Jordan, the way it sounds, I think he was just burned out. And that makes a lot of sense to me as someone who has been burned out of their job. So that leads us now into our final segment, which is the call on the field. 
So our final segment on the podcast is the call on the field. We got two categories. It's either we can confirm what happened, which is basically saying, hey, this conspiracy theory, this myth, this controversy, it did happen, or overturn it. We just say, you know what? It's not true. I'm not going to give myself a middle ground and say it stands, because if you've listened this long enough, that's a scapegoat. Yeah, it could have happened, maybe not. No shit, Sherlock. We're not going to do that. So let's first just get right to it. Can I confirm or overturn this? For did Michael Jordan get suspended from the NBA? I have to overturn it, sadly. And here's why I say sadly. Going back to the fact that I am, you know, I like to lie a lot. (laughs) I got a kick out of it. Um, I consider lying kind of like storytelling. It's not good storytelling, but it's storytelling. You have to make something that makes sense, something that works, something that someone's not going to question in their brain. And so in the idea of a story based on what we know about Michael Jordan through his interviews, books that have been written, The Last Dance, it makes sense. And I like, I wish it did make more sense that he got suspended by the NBA for gambling. Cause it makes so like so much sense as a narrative, like as a, as a story, you know, and that's also in stories like the hero. Once again, he's a hero for me. You know, if you're from Detroit or, you know, you're from Utah, you probably don't look at him as a hero, but for Chicago, he's a hero. The hero faces his demons. He comes back and he overcomes. And for that, it would be, he came back and he won three more NBA titles. So as a story, it makes a ton of sense, but there just isn't enough actual evidence there to prove that it happened. Yeah, we have our bits of him owing people money and lying about it originally, but first of all, there's not any more than that that's been that's been proven. Uh, based on how much money he makes, it's honestly not that much money. And then... Once again, you could understand why he didn't tell a ton of people about this. You know, why isn't he open about maybe his gambling debts? It's because think about the time then. Like we talked about it earlier. Gambling was like considered like a very shady thing. I always think back to episodes in like, of The Simpsons in the 90s. Like whenever they were placing uh, bets, it was like a bookie at like it was Mo. Mo the bartender was like the bookie. Like, like it was a shady operation to gamble. So if you had gambling debts, it wasn't something like where people like look down like, oh, you lost some money. It's like something you did in secret. It's like, oh, like you have a bad habit or like you gambling the way it was portrayed on TV. For example, I always think about there's a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air episode where there's like a pool hustler and Uncle Phil comes in, you know, break out Lucille. It's a great episode of your chance to watch it. So gambling isn't necessarily something that people did as openly as they do now. You go on Twitter, people are post or, you know, posting their parlays. That's not how it worked by back then. So because of that, the lack of any more, you know, people coming out or evidence from either the government, the NBA, or just people in general, I just have to overturn this. On a side note, though, if Michael Jordan were, let's say he did do this, like in even betted on basketball, I don't think Michael Jordan would have bet against himself. I think he would be someone who would be like, not only do I think I'm going to win, I'm so confident I'm going to put like 50 grand on the money line tonight. Because I think Michael Jordan was that much of a competitor. If he played in today's NBA, I think he would use, first of all, like 
any gambling app, like a like a player parlay, he'd look at how many points he was supposed to score, and he'd probably use that to make a math, and he'd drop like 50. He'd look how many the person he was supposed to defend was supposed to get, and he would lock them down and be like, oh, you're supposed to get 25 tonight? You're going to get 15. It would have made him, honestly, into a scarier player. Um like just in the mental aspect of it. Cause I think that would have been, he would have had even more stuff, more ammunition to get him fired up. Like, as you see in the last dance, like everything he took personally. And I think he would use that to take it personally. Same with social media. I think he would like just hire someone to make them like curate, like any mean tweet. And then Instagram that says I'm washed. I'm like, bring it to me in a way it would have made him into just even more of a dominant force than he already was. So once again, even though there is parts of the story that do make sense and you can judge, you know, Michael Jordan, some of the company he was keeping and his decision-making, there isn't enough to say, Hey, Michael Jordan got suspended from the NBA for gambling. I want to thank everyone for listening to the first ever episode of whatever Wando. I had a lot of fun making it. I hope you guys really enjoyed listening to, to it. I hope you guys learned something new um, yeah, because I had tons of fun doing it. Uh, feel free to follow us, leave us a review, uh, follow us on social media. Twitter is at whatever Wando. On Instagram, it's at whatever underscore Wando. If you have any ideas for a future episode or something you want me to cover, uh, whatever Wando at gmail.com. And yeah, I'll see you guys next Wednesday when we cover the infamous Cal Ripken Jr. blackout game. See you then. Thank you.